welcome to the Sport <laughs> Society podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Sports Society podcast, a podcast about everything sports. We've only gone and got the hat trick. My name is Dan and joining me is Chris, Ads and Josh. How are we feeling about the treble, lads? No comment. No comment on the treble. Yeah, pretty yeah, good. Right. <laughs> Not giving it a no. We'll talk about that later, but yeah. All right. Well, before we start, should we, uh, should we crack a beer? 100%. Yeah. Let's do it. Cheers, boys. Cheers, lads. Cheers, boys. Cheers. <laughs> okay. Big strong disclaimer. Dan, you are ads and yourself have cracked a beer. Chris has got a, a glass of wine and I'm drinking a Nescafe cappuccino. So when we say crack a beer, we mean crack a beer, glass of wine. Put and the kettle on as well, yeah. Put the kettle on. That's Cup it. Rock, on. rock and roll on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> all right. Ads, do you want to kick us off with a... Uh, a little bit of b-ball. Let's do it. Finishing off from game one, Denver actually got the 1-0 and uh, the lead up into the finals. Playing at Denver, Heat had to win this game. And boy, oh boy, did they actually do that. They had Gabe Vincent score 23 points. Jimmy Butler scored 21 and 9 assists. Bam Bam, 21 and 9 rebounds. And the Joker scored 41 and 11 rebounds and played a good game, even though they... They went down by three points. I got told off calling him Djokovic the other day. Oh, mate. Jokic. Apparently it's Jokic. Djokovic <laughs> plays sport. tennis, mate. Roland was saying it's Jokic. Jokic. It's Jokic, is it? Jokic. There we go. Yeah, shout, shout out, out to Roland as well. Shout out, Roland. <laughs> um, so Denver was 11-0 in playoffs when leading by double digits at any time and 37-1 and overall when leading by eight or more. In the last, in sorry, in the um, last year, so that's a huge stat for Heat to um, be down by eight points running into the third quarter, uh, running into the last quarter, sorry, and getting up. So that's a huge stat for Heat. So well done to them. I got a little stat for you, Ads. Go on. Uh, in that third quarter, uh, Jokic scored eighteen points in that third quarter. That's the most points in a finals quarter since Shaquille o- Shaquille O'Neal in two thousand and one. Oh, well, there you go. You rate him better Deserved than Shaq. It. Played well. Uh, no, no, not better than Shaq. No. How many? It's a hard one. It's a hard one. Shaq, Shaq, Shaq was a good player, very, very good player. But the stuff that the Joker does all round, like he's scoring, his rebounds, and he'll go and get you yeah, ten to fifteen assists as well. Like the stuff that the Joker does is, yeah, well, well above. What Shaq is, and no disrespect to Shaq because he actually was a good, decent player. I've, I've got to jump in there, right? I hate, and this is my ha- most hated thing about sport, right? I hate when we always have to compare players. Like in every hard. sport, we're always comparing players. Why can't we just appreciate greatness? What we're seeing, I know it's you have to compare sport, them to but... something, don't you? Or else they'll never be great. You can't call someone great if you're not comparing them to something. But it's like this comparison, like, I don't know a whole lot about basketball, or I don't know a little bit, but not a heap. But you're comparing two different teams, two different eras, two different styles of players. They're different styles of players, aren't they? Like, hasn't the game of basketball changed since Shaq was playing at ads, do you think, or not? Yes. It has changed, but 
like what Josh is saying, I don't think you can compare them if they're not in the same era. But if you were to compare them, I would say Jokers. Well, it's funny because Jokic mm, and Murray's um, PPG, 59.3. And Kobe and Shaq's is 53.6 points per game. Average. Well, Rebounds per game, Jokovic and Murray, 20.7. Yeah, and uh, Kobe and Shaq's 21. Mm. So it's quite even. It's actually, actually, Jokovic and, uh, or Jokic, mm. whatever you want to call him, and Murray is... a. Uh, Assist per game is 19, and Shaq and Kobe is only six. Decent stats there. Mm. Like, you have to compare. Okay. Or else, if we didn't bring out stats, there would be no point in stats, would there? Because you're not comparing it to something else. I love the idea of comparing, but I don't like the, the question of who's better. I like the idea of comparing the pair and saying, you know, difference. But if you're going into, like, points scored between the two, well, what was the average scoreline for that season or Shaq's career? Because I think undoubtedly adds the average score in NBA in 2023 would be higher than what it was in 2000 without knowing that. I think yeah. teams, because sports changed. Everyone wants offense. Nobody wants defense anymore. Everyone wants high scoring games. All I'm saying is I would pick any of them if I had the opportunity. Yeah. They're both stars of the games. All right, let's roll on to game three anyway. So yeah. we, we tie the game 1-1. Denver travel over to Miami. They like win a must win, really, playing in Miami, one hundred nine to ninety four. Um, Joker and Murray become the first teammates in NBA Finals history mm. to both record a triple double. That is a huge, yeah, huge right. stat. So the Joker thirty two points, twenty one rebounds, and ten assists, and Murray thirty four points, ten rebounds, and ten assists. First teammates yeah. in NBA Finals history. To mm. record that, that is huge, absolutely huge. All right, let's roll into game four. Yeah, boy. Let's roll into game four. So Denver win one hundred eight ninety five and lead the final series three one. All right, Gordon, Aaron Gordon had an absolute blinder mm-hmm. of a he game. Did. did anyone watch Gordon? Twenty seven points. Twenty seven points. He was by yeah. far the best on court. That's a playoff that career high for him. That was a great game by Aaron Gordon, followed up by, again, the Joker with 23 points and 12 rebounds. And a nice, quiet, but quality game for Murray with 15 points and 12 assists. 12 assists, though. I wouldn't call it a quiet game. A quiet game for his standards, like scoring. Oh, in terms of scoring. Quality quality game still. Still had heaps was, of impact. I feel like it was Miami's, Miami's bench players that needed to step up off the bench there. Because if you look at Denver's starting players in comparison to Miami's starting players, uh, Denver outscored them 83 to 59. Yeah. Struz, That's just the starting Vincent players. and Caleb Martin combined for just yeah. 13 points for the Heat. That is crap. Well, I think, too, when you, when you talk about that Aaron Gordon adds, I, I don't know a, a whole heap of about basketball, but... Um, doing a bit of bit of reading and, and match reviews. There's a few commentators out there that have called it the Aaron Gordon game. So I'm all about accuracy. Like I'm, I hate any other stat. The main one is how many you get in the basket, how many goals you kick. So 27 points, 11 from 15 from the field, and three from four from the three point range. So I don't have to, you don't have to know a whole heap about basketball to know that that's a pretty pretty efficient game, isn't it? Oh, very efficient, mate. Outstanding. And like what Dan said, it was his best game of his career. 
and hopefully that's a start of you know some long games ahead for him going how, into next year as well. How old is he? Don't know. Young? I can. I would say he'd be late twenties, early thirties. Aaron Gordon. Do you happen to know that, Josh? He is. He's been. He's been in the system. Twenty-seven. There you go. So he's been in the system for a, a fair bit now. But um, yeah, I was, I was, I was quite, yeah, quite glad to see him actually step up and, you know, actually want the basketball and took advantage of it getting the basketball as well, shooting those three pointers and even his driving into the basket was great. So, well done to Denver and three one. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, three one and you know they they play back in Denver I think tomorrow night and um, yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll. They'll get the game tomorrow, and they'll they'll win their first championship. When was Heat's last championship? Do we know? Uh, twenty thirteen, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, so just to just to wrap this up, the last little uh, little fact: um, the Cleveland Cavaliers in twenty sixteen became the only team to come back from a three one deficit against Golden State to win the title. Mm. Yeah, James. So LeBron. yeah, well, I'll leave you with LeBron. Yeah, LeBron. So we'll see what the Heat can uh, pull out the bag. Yeah, I mean, 2013 was the last time the Heat. 2013. Yeah, yeah, they've only won three, oh six, 2012, and 2013. Yeah, don't test me on the stats, mate. <laughs> yeah, not bad. That that's that's a huge stat too, Dan. That you've just brought up as well. That's a huge mm. stat. So pressure's if on. If the Heat are actually, yeah, pressure's on. If the Heat's gonna, you know, make it a seven game series, well, they're gonna get moving, and it starts tomorrow night. So. And what I said last week, I'll say it again. They need more off the bench because having Bam Bam and Jimmy Butler by themselves, they'll they'll not struggle, but it will just make it harder. Jamal Murray's the, the shortest player on the on the court, isn't he? Oh, well, height means nothing, mate, because Caleb Daniel is the shortest in the AFL, and look at him go. So, speaks one hundred ninety three centimeters. Because uh, Jokic is two point one, so, isn't he? Oh, he's huge, man. Is he six foot eleven? <laughs> six foot eleven. What Jokic is only he moves six foot like 180 centimeters. I mean, only, though. yeah, <laughs> yeah, only, <laughs> only, yeah, only. <laughs> yeah, he has to duck to get <laughs> eleven inches between me. <laughs> That's it. He moves around like he's five foot eleven, though. Yeah. That's it. Alrighty. All right, Move, moving on to the AFL. footy then. Um, yeah, the catch yeah. Bulldogs. Yes, the AFL. No, the AFL. <laughs> Um, Western Bulldogs against Port Adelaide. Going into this game, doggies were paying uh, $2.01 and the and Port $1.83. How did you view that game, Josh? How did I view that game? Um, I love Port Adelaide, for starters. Weren't they good? Oh, I'm just going to rattle off some names for you, mate, because I, um, I think that they should be the premiership favourites at the minute. I love what, absolutely love what they're doing. Well, 10 so wins on the trot there, now. They've got Alir Alir, Travis Boak, Riley Bonner, Charlie Dixon, William Drew, Jeremy Finlayson, Horn Francis, Houston, Todd Marshall, McEntee, McKenzie, Powell Pepper, Junior Rioli, Connor Rosie, Ollie Wines, and he's not even their best player. Zach Butters just tops that list off. That is. Mate, he is in contention. Wow, we. He has had an absolute blind of a start to the season. You were all saying that you thought this was going to be a tough game on the group chat. I never, I, I didn't put a bet on because of you lot. <laughs> well, credit to Port because I actually thought the dogs were going to win. Being at home, being at Marvel. Yeah, true. But Port prior to this game had won like nine on the trot. So yeah. 
maybe we didn't give them enough credit. I mean, credit to the deserved, dogs, though, really? ads. Like you say, yeah. we didn't give them enough credit, but they had 243 uncontested possessions, and Port had 171. Oh, the Bulldogs had yeah. a better game this week. They had than a better week. game. See, yeah. I don't, I don't give credit to the dogs. Like it's the same with Carlton. We'll get to that later. Carlton and, and the Western Bulldogs, they just over, over possess, right? You, you look at the two games that we're going to review: Carlton, Essendon, Bulldogs, Port Adelaide. Yeah. Um, both losing teams eclipse in terms of contested and uncontested. The difference is Essendon and Port Adelaide move the ball properly. They move it quick. They attack their opponents, they break them down physically and then move the ball with pace yeah. and skill. I um, I love what Essendon and Port Adelaide are doing and I think we heavily underestimate how good Port Adelaide are purely because they're not a Victorian team. If they were a Victorian team, if Carlton was playing the way Port Adelaide were playing now, there would be every article in the paper would be on how good they are. Look at Collingwood. Every article is about how good Collingwood mm. are. Port are the most impressive team. I, I think just want to... I just want to jump in before when you said Port were, you know, got to be flag favourites. The only real weakness with Port's game is at the MCG. They haven't played good footy at the G. They played Collingwood early days, and I know it's early days and they have 110 on the trot, but they went down pretty, pretty convincingly mm. to Collingwood by 70-odd. So mm. Port Adelaide, I believe, in three weeks play Essendon at the MCG. So that would be a real test. If they, if they win that convincingly against Essendon, I'll, I'll have them as flag favorites, but yeah, the only, the only downside to them is at the G. But apart from that, mate, they've won 10 on the row or 10 on the trot. Like they've, yeah, they've got their What's so, what's so intimidating about the G though? We've already spoke about There's no atmosphere whatsoever. So what is it? (laughs) It's just a big Big, field. Big field, man. Aren't they all big? It's a big field. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's a decent size. It's the biggest field, mate. It's, I mean, they're all big. Well, that would... I guess it would suit some teams' play styles more than others. It, it may just be round one they played Collingwood when Collingwood have 95 Collingwood, plus yeah. thousand members. That, that might be a bit of pressure. All I'm saying is you got to win their flag at the G. I'll wait to round... You know, when they play Essendon, I think round 15, if they win that convincingly, I'll put them as flag favourites. But yeah. They're definitely up. They're definitely up there. I think to the MCG, in terms of dimensions, is the widest one of, if not the widest, grounds in the competition. So the teams that usually dominate at the MCG are those teams that play the flanks, play the wings, um, and then you've got your teams like Collingwood, Melbourne, who that's their home ground. I think it's more a perception thing too. These teams go to a coliseum, and these teams only play there once, twice a year max, so they're not used to playing there. So mm, true. Um, it, it'd be like going to Anfield and playing. Doesn't matter if Liverpool are doing well or not. It's just the daunting prospect of going to Anfield. I think it's the same as the MCG. It's just that daunting prospect. Brisbane's the same. Brisbane can't play at the G. Yeah, because they're used to the Gabba, small capacity compared to the MCG. It's a huge yeah. amount of momentum. Hundred percent. Um, I want to ask a question to you, Ads, and you, Josh. Um. That high hit from Bontempelli on Dan Houston, was that deliberate in your opinion? I thought it was. He definitely um, deserves a week for that. I don't think so. I, I think he was just playing. Pretty... I watched it back a few times. Yeah, you can see like the momentum is definitely involved, but I don't think I there think... was any attempt at pulling out. I think it was just a high intensity game. 
the thing you got to think too, right? If he if he pulls out of that, then Houston gets to clear collect direct exactly. inside fifty entry, probably kicks a goal. Could you imagine the the repercussions on Bont and Pally? The reason why I don't think he deserved a week is he didn't turn his body. No. So he didn't brace no. himself. He was opening himself up to broken ribs, concussion as well. He did what every AFL junior's taught, which is to attack the ball, not the man. So I love that he got off. I think James Sicily's one's more of a one where you think, yeah, that's, that is a dirty act, like just to tilt the bloke's head yeah. into the ground. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad he didn't get weak. I'm glad he got yeah. off it. Same. 100%. All right. All right. Well, let's, we, um, let's roll on. Should we put the boxing gloves on, boys? Carlton Essendon. <laughs> Go on, ding, ding. <laughs> I'll I'll let Josh have a have a bit of a say because I'm pretty sure Carlton's already spoken all they need to speak about playing on yeah. Saturday or Sunday night. Sorry, but um, yep. Josh, hand it over to you, mate. My takeaways from the game. All right, Scott. Scott could be the coach of the season. I love. I was about to swear there. Lucky I didn't. And I'm ignoring. I'm ignoring the flog in the right hand corner, Chris. Stupid dumb Englishman. Anyway, um, <laughs> Scott. Scott could be the coach of the season. He's got a a fairly average. No, I wouldn't say average list, but fairly um, underrated list, I guess you could say now. And he's got them playing really good footy, and particularly with their pressure. And this is going to sound bizarre but I'll go through the stats as to why I think that and then I'll let you unpack it a bit more ads and Dan and Chris Carlton are doing everything right except for the key stats so if I look at yesterday's game disposals Carlton plus 22 inside 50s Carlton had 15 more inside 50s than Essendon score Carlton six goals 16 Essendon 13 goals eight so more shots on goal we just couldn't kick Mm. more clearances 16 Essendon 29 Centre clearances, Essendon smashed us. But then I look at contested ball, Carlton plus 17. So we had 17 more contested ball, 15 more uncontested ball. Where I worry, tackling. Carlton 33 for the whole match, Essendon 64. So Essendon had 31 more tackles than Carlton throughout the night. And I think that's where the inefficiency inside 50, the inaccuracy from a bloke who's 200 centimetres who tries to snap the ball from 50 metres out. Good on you, Harry. Um, so I think Essendon were just cleaner and more clinical, but this, uh, uh, Carlton aren't far away. If they kick straight, if they kick straight in that second quarter, the game could probably be over. Essendon were just good enough to weather the storm and then kick on. So we're not, we, Carlton, I don't think we're as far away as people think. We've just got to start kicking the ball, which is the game. So Josh, I'm going to, just before ads jumps in there, like you say, in, on paper, the, the stats are in Carlton's favour, correct? Mm. So just why can't are you score. so terrible? Six goals, eight goals, six, just can't uh, score. six goals, 16. If you're kicking so, 16 points, you're not you winning. It, score, it was an but... even game, first two quarters. But then third the quarter, is, we... they just walked all over Carlton. Well, well, Josh spoke about it earlier. So when Carlton had all the momentum in the second quarter, they didn't use the footy to the best of their ability. They were scoring points. Yeah. So the scoreboard pressure wasn't coming onto Essendon. Mm-hmm. But after half time, Essendon turned it around. Um, what, did we kick seven in that term? Seven straight? I think you kicked five goals, one to our yeah, one goal six or one goal seven in the second quarter. Carlton had the momentum, nothing happened. Essendon had the momentum, we put scoreboard pressure on and Carlton were out of the game. What I, what I thought about Carlton though is that they would 
take more chances outside the 50. Like they took so many chances outside the 50 and it was like minor point, minor point, minor point. Whereas Essendon would get in the 50 and actually take their chances. Yeah, but yeah. That, that's that's Carlton taking too long, like in the midfield and closing off their forward 50 entries. So yeah. Essendon's defence was on point last night and yeah. you turn it around to Essendon, you know, taking the game on, running through the middle, linking up. It was just too hard for Carlton to defend and we had numbers out in the forward 50. That's That was the difference. The thing that surprised me about that, right, is 41 is a very low amount of inside 50 entries for a game. Essendon only got the ball in 41 times. Carlton were defending extremely well. We, we, I keep saying we, believe it or not, I'm a Carlton supporter, doing everything right. 56 inside 50s in a game is really good. The issue is, I don't, people talk about, oh, paces, we are just not clean enough going inside 50. Chris, you, even though I know you're not a huge AFL fan, mm. you've just hit Carlton's fault on the head there. They're taking pot shots from yeah. outside 50. I think when you're busting your gut for a whole quarter and you've dominated the play like we did in the second quarter and you go down by a point at half time, and you look at that scoreboard and your fans are booing you and you're one point down even though you've dominated the whole game. Hmm. They come out in that third quarter, they had nothing. Essendon just knew. Half time that game was over. Essendon were going to win, no doubt. Carlton were done because yeah. all that effort for one goal six or something. Just horrific. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I watched it in a log cabin in country Victoria and I, I like the underdog, right? So I was also, even though I support Essendon now, I was rooting for Carlton to get back in the game. I didn't want it to be a whitewash, but I think Essendon defended better as well. Like I know you're saying Carlton defended well, but I think Ridley, and I think it's Ridley and Redmond at the back, mate, I don't think much got yeah, past those guys. Yeah, they, they, were, they were quality, really calm. Every time they got the ball, all right, they chip it about at the back a bit, but you know, it, caught, it maybe caused Essendon a few problems here and there, but they're just really calm and collective at the back. And then they build it up and then they go for the, like like you were saying the other week, be more daring, go in the middle. Essendon went yeah. down the middle so much. Carlton going down the line. Well, that's what I was going to say. Essendon's taking the game on. So a few years ago, Essendon were just chipping around, chip it left, chip yeah. it right, chip it down the wing, pop it down the wing. Yeah. Our tools will get outmarked. We, this year... You can tell Essendon's taking the game on. We're hitting that small 45s, mm. hitting into the midfield and getting our link up. Like that's Essendon's game. And yeah, they they look good when they're doing that. And they, yeah, they yeah. just, they get it deep inside 50 and then they get the scores. So I think you just got to keep on doing. Yeah, you just got to tighten it up inside the, the 50, Josh. Get into the 50, just, get into a more comprehensive position, then have a shot. Like, Kerno went for it outside of 50 too many times, man. I was like, what are you doing? I've just got a, I've just got a question for Josh, too. For big um, Harry Mackay, he obviously lacks, lacking a bit of confidence at the moment. Do you think, instead of him snapping around the body, which clearly is not working at the moment, do you think he's just got to go back to the traditional way of even if he's 30 metres out, just a direct drop punt, mate? Um, short answer, yes. Long answer, sick and tired of, of hearing the, the slugging match. Not saying you're slugging them, but of Harry and Charlie, mate. I'm, I'm putting pressure on our midfield. Those boys are down on confidence because the ball's never kicked to them. It's either kicked over their head 
yeah. grassed or they're having to run 50, 100 metres up the field and get a contested mark on the wing because our midfielders actually can't deliver a ball. So I actually think a lot of his in kind of insecurities, I guess you could say, a lack of ability to kick straight is blaming our midfielders because he doesn't get the ball. He has to basically run a kilometre just to get a possession because our midfield can't deliver a ball. Whereas you look at Peter, two-metre Peter, ball lace out in front, just perfect delivery, doesn't break stride. And that's why Peter Wright finishes with 4-1 or 5 straight or whatever it was because... 5 straight and welcome back to me to Peter. Yeah, I like Peter, I've got to admit. I used to have see him at the coffee shops, good bloke. So, like, He's happy talent, to mate. 2 metre Peter, he is so much talent. But yeah, yeah, you're right, mate. So, with the midfield at 2 metre Peter. But, Essendon looked good, mate. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I was impressed. So, push on for potentially finals now for Essendon and for Carlton. See you later. Good night, Irene. Do... Do Essendon make the top eight? Uh, I can't see them getting out of the top eight, to be fair. I see them finishing between six and eighth. Yeah, yeah I okay. agree. I yeah. Think, yeah, easy. Hopefully six, get a home final. But yeah, I can't see them getting out the eight. But yeah, we'll just wait and see, eh? The yeah. only danger is the teams underneath you. So you've got Geelong, Freo, Richmond, and even Sydney to an extent I'd put there who are still out of the eight. So the I, only I don't... No, no St. Kilda, Dan. No, nah, Saints are above like, us. We're, we're, yeah, above at the moment. But like Josh said last week or the week before, whatever it was, Saints will drop outside of that top eight. I can't see us. I think we've got a hard run now. I actually, reckon, I actually reckon the Saints will go into the top four, Dan, and the top Lions four. will drop out. No of the way. Top four. No, right. no way. When we do an episode in 10 weeks' time and they're in the top four. You called it. You guys... I've called it. Mark, Mark replay this, words, and I've called it. Mark my words, and I'll make a bet with you on here. St Kilda will make the finals. I've changed my mind. I watched them against Sydney. St Kilda's ability to change game plans from quarter to quarter. The only team to ever keep Sydney scoreless in the first quarter. I don't know if it's yeah. ever or since the early nineties when they were South Melbourne, whatever it was. Um, and then in the last quarter, they just put the Jets on St Kilda. Ross Lyons got that team so yeah. sound. Structure. He's another one, Josh, that's in contention with Coach of the Year, Ross the Boss. So yep. it'll be interesting to see who wins that. But you yeah, look right. at, I was going to say, just just before we move on to the NRL, Saints' last remaining fixtures, we've got Richmond, Brisbane. I reckon we'll lose both of those. We'll beat West Coast. We'll lose to Melbourne. We'll lose to Gold Coast. We'll beat North. We sh- maybe we'll lose to Hawthorne again. They're flying. Hmm. And St. Kilda and Carlton on the 6th of August. Well, I'm, call- well, I'm calling see- it now. I'm calling it now. You'll you'll beat us, Josh. Carlton will beat yeah. St. Kilda that game. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Ultimately, we should beat themselves. Hey, quickly, yeah. quickly. Did you guys see mm-hmm. Stringer uh, Stringer's dive in the in the second? Oh, I died. Did you see it? <laughs> you guys go on about well, the English it. diving when they get to it. Stringer went down mate, like a I've... sack of potatoes, mate. And he's still out there diving, mate. No one's found him yet. He's still out there diving. <laughs> I have seats on level one. I had one leg over the fence. I was ready to go get him myself. <laughs> I I keep arm at the footy. Mate, we had people throwing beers when the umpire called that. He didn't even get touched. So to Jakey Stringer, I really, really, really don't like you. 
<laughs> no one in the AFL likes you. Maybe some Essendon fans, but even half the Essendon oh, fans. Oh, rinse it, will ya? Well, I'm an Essendon fan, so I do like you. You don't even like him, Adam. You're an joking. Essendon fan. Playing so. it. That's it. That's it. Well, don't let it get into your game, mate. It ruins it. Just playing the system. <laughs> All right, let's roll into the state of origin. Okay, yeah, state state of origin news. I think the biggest news to come out of this week: Nathan Cleary is out for six weeks with a hamstring injury. Who replaces him, Josh? That's that's a massive loss for New South Wales. Do you put you put Nico Hines in? I think he's probably the obvious choice, the Dally M medalist current. You also got Mitchell Moses and Adam Reynolds. I honestly think Freddie's going to do a bit of a shift, mate. He um he was horrendous last night, Nico Hines. I actually think they might get. Jerome Luai to play to replace Cleary. And I think Liam what? Martin will will be out. But I think that they will get Latrell back. And I think they'll shift Jer- Jerome Luai to play the halfback just because... And then who plays 5-8? They'll just have to shift it around. They'll Origin will surprise a few people. But after last night, I wouldn't be playing Nico Hines. He, was, he hasn't been yeah. that good this year anyway. Um mm. Yeah, well, they're on struggle street, New South Wales. I'll tell you, they haven't got a lot well, of important players. And then now you've got Jai Arrow and Cameron Murray. They're also out. And, and then, and then the arguably the star of Origin One for New South Wales was Appy Corusal. He's now got a shattered jaw. Yeah. So he's out. Yeah, I I can't see New South Wales winning Origin Two. And mate, just on that too, on the Origin. Um, Dylan Edwards went up head-to-head with James Tedesco yesterday. Roosters, Panthers, we'll talk about that shortly in terms of the score. But if Teddy gets picked ahead of Dylan Edwards for the starting fullback in Origin 2, Fittler should never coach again because Dylan Edwards is is twice, three times the player of Teddy this year. Teddy's been slack this year. Um, Edwards Edwards is a much better option at fullback, I think. I think that's the least Freddie can do for New South Wales. And I think that's the thing I hate most about sport is rugby league's really bad for it, but even football, the soccer variety, and even AFL, all codes, I feel like players are gifted games based on what they've done in the past. Like, yeah. Teddy does not... If, if, if Teddy was a no-name fullback for the Newcastle Knights, he wouldn't be getting an origin game. I know he's no. been a champion, but you've got to reward form. Like, Of course you do. Um, so, yeah, and do you reckon Latrell comes back? Have you heard it, got any insider on Latrell? Have you seen anything about him recently? I times? haven't. Fill us in. I, I generally don't know. The Souths um, have been quite quiet on him, but from all reports, he should... He's doing everything to get up. If he doesn't play, New South Wales lose. He's going to be the difference between a chance at winning and, and losing, I think. I think they lose regardless, mate, to be honest. When, when's game. game two, just for our listeners? When's games two? When's that start? Is it it's, nine days' time? Ten yeah. days' time. And it's at a sold-out sold out Suncorp Stadium. Yeah. Um, and I'll get the time for our viewers too. Listeners. All right. Well, whilst you're looking for that, um, who watched the Roosters-Panthers game? Sure did. What a game. 30 points to six. I don't... Mm. Like you said last week, Josh, Roosters have been very, very out of form this whole season. And it was just an all-strong performance from the Panthers. Th- their defence. 
their defense is probably the best defense I've seen all year so far. Oh, well, yeah. the storm, the storm's defense was good, but no, I think the Panthers' defense was was exceptionally strong. They're Roosters just... underwhelming. They didn't really, they didn't have much to give. I think it went went to show that they didn't need Cleary for that game. I'm not saying they don't need him going forward, but yeah, they didn't miss him against the Roosters. Crichton stepped up for the kick in, executed perfectly. You know, I think I, I rate game. Stephen. Yeah, I rate Stephen Crichton, and like I said to you last week, Josh, I don't see him stepping in for Latrell Mitchell a problem for New South Wales. I see it even better having him and Latrell in the same team. Well, obviously in an ideal situation, yeah, but I think um, Stephen Crichton should be one of the first names on that team sheet. Mate, I I watched this game quite um, forensically because I love the way the Panthers go about it. And I strong disclaimer, I hate the Roosters. They're my yeah, most hated in NRL by an absolute mile. So there's going to be a bit of a bias here, but... Um, I'm not a fan of the chickens. Jared, were we a Hargraves, JWH, whatever you want to say, however you want to say his name. Yeah. He kind of sum- summarises the Roosters' season. So too busy fighting, too yep. busy trying to get physical, too tr- busy trying to hurt people rather than actually helping his team cross the try line. He, um, I think he's ready. He's at the back end of his career. And yesterday was a really strong sign of that. And what I loved about the Panthers, even though I'm not a huge fan of them, is even though there was physicality, the Panthers didn't shy away. Elliot Yo, um, sorry, Isaiah Yo. Elliot Yo from West Coast. Yeah, Elliot Yo. Isaiah Yo stood up, matched them with physicality, and and the Panthers were just clinical. So I loved watching that game. I thought he was unlucky to that disallowed try right at the start. Mm. A good try as well. Was but good game. I enjoyed. Yeah, very good game. Very um, good did game. you just mention Liam Martin earlier, Josh? I did. I did. So he suffered a Category One concussion. Yeah. So there's eleven day stand down for yep. Category One concussion concussed players in the NRL. At that time of the game, there's eleven days till Origin. I think there's yep. what ten ten now. Yeah, he'll miss 10, it. Yeah. So he's unlikely to play unless somehow get- a miracle happens, but. So the only way he'll get around it is he has to have three medical clearances and yep. it can't be a club doctor. So it has to be three independent doctors yep. appointed by the NRL who have to run in-depth tests. And that's the only way he'll be cleared. So even though imagine... even though it's in within 11 days, he's yeah, still... So if, they, if they want to clear it, so let's say he wakes up three days' time and he's got no symptoms at all, New South Wales will move heaven and earth to get every test they can to get him cleared because he's a big loss and he he is a big loss but I find that a bit strange that they're not taking a stance to protect the player obviously the player is going to want to play in the origin everyone does but coming off a concussion and I know I speak about it because I've had concussion issues in the past as well it's a long-term thing, like three days, he might be feeling better, but it's 10, 15 years from now that he could have the effects. So I'm actually quite surprised that NRL, even the medical staffs will allow him to kick on after such a short time. I think it's not that they're allowing him. What it is, is that if the Panthers doctor or the New South Wales 
head doctor believes that he hasn't got the symptoms of concussion, that doesn't mean anything. They then, the NRL will then appoint three independent doctors to look at this situation in isolation, to run tests. They get doctors that have no connection to the NRL, right? These are, pe- these are medical professionals that we trust with our lives. And they need three consistent opinions to say, no, he hasn't got any symptoms. If the two doctors say he's fine, but the third doctor says, no, nah, he's still got lingered symptoms, he's out. He doesn't play. So you need yeah, three of the best of the best doctors in this country. And we're talking neurosurgeons, not GPs at Strathmore Medical Center. We're talking, you know, the best of the best. They all need to clear him for him to be able to play. But I can guarantee my bottom dollar New South Wales are going to be, going to be doing that. So I think they're in strife. Yeah, fair enough. I, I didn't know that was a thing, but fair enough. That's the one thing I do like about the NRL is you've got an independent doctor that is reviewing all um, yeah. concussion-type uh, tackles or injuries. Whereas, do they have that in the AFL? Yeah. They do. That's quality. I yeah. really like that. I'm not even. I'm not sure they have that in rugby union back home. They should have it in so football So, in as well. AFL, we had a um, player, sadly, pass away um, to suicide. So, um, Shane Tuck, yeah, very unfortunately. And he had donated his brain to science. So when he passed away, all these tests had been completed and it worked out that he had really bad, I think it's TTP. So it's basically um, your brain's damaged Shrink- from contact. Yeah, it's a shrinkage of the brain. Yeah. So yeah. since then, the AFL's introduced a mandatory 14-day protocol yeah. and um, every incident's reviewed by a doctor and that player has to be off for a minimum of 20 minutes. The club's got 20 minutes to assess it. If they don't make a decision in the 20 minutes, that player is automatically subbed and yep. um, the club then decides with the independent doctor after 20 minutes if he's if they're right to go on or not. So I think sports come a long way in terms of yeah. looking after the head, which it needs to. It has and it's good to see. Well, yeah, you, you know, see, you know, especially Adam, you've <laughs> been knocked out a few times, haven't you? Not necessarily knocked out, mate, but yeah, delayed concussions. Just, just want to put that in for the listeners. I don't have a glass jaw, it's not. Adam gets battered. Adam, Adam gets battered. There he goes. <laughs> no, nah, but just rolling on to that, I'm glad that the uh, the AFL and the rugby and, you know, sports in general are taking a stance on that. It's good to yep. see, so. Yeah, yep. quality. Yeah, spot on. So another highlight game of the weekend was the Storm and the Sharks. Go to boys. Tried watching that, yeah, couldn't almost. couldn't get any signal for it, so I didn't watch it. Very, 50, very one sided. Very one sided. ten. Thirty four six at half time. It was just all pretty out. Pretty embarrassing for an hour. Yeah, very embarrassing. Added added months to play. He had a good game. Yeah. Yeah. For the uh, for the listeners, right? I'm getting very, very excited when we talk about this. That was a ripper. At least it was <laughs> good for the day. Should have gone to that game. Yeah, um, you should have done. I was tempted to go. I know I didn't know, but... Ripper. Ripper. Love it. Five tries in the first half. Mate, yeah, was... how good is Harry Grant? Oh, he had a cracker of a game. How good? I'll say it again. How good is Harry Grant? Yeah, very, very good. Another person who I did think had a great game was Big Nels. Nelson Asifa Solomona. Big Nass. Oh, he had a great game. So if you didn't watch it, um, Katoa for the storm went off after 10 minutes for a HIA and um, he was cleared but he was unable to return due to a deep cut above his eye 
So obviously Big Nell stepped in, took his place, and just he was just the battering ram of the afternoon, wasn't he? Mate, when I look at Nels, right, and for, if there's anyone listening to this that doesn't know who Nelson Asafa Solomona is, just Google him. And I think the first thing that will go through your head is, I feel sorry for his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because he, he would cause some damage. He is massive. <laughs> massive. Like, the bloke is... Who did they call the big sexy in basketball? Who was that in NBA? Wasn't that Shaq? That was Shaq. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Nelson's the big sexy of the NRL. He is just <laughs> a Shaq 2.0. He's oh my god! Is he Shaq two point oh? He is. He is the New Zealand version of Shaq, mate. He is huge. Uh, <laughs> As Steve, is Stephen Adams, the NBA player from NZ, yeah, is that right? What's that? Is Stephen Adams, the NBA player from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nelson eclipses Stephen Adams as the biggest, biggest uh, Kiwi. I reckon he's a big boy. Yeah, yeah. What he's a about, big boy, Stephen Adams? <laughs> what about the first try for the for the Storm? Was it deliberate, Dan? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, don't know. I don't he, know. It's, he it's, dropped it's, the it's ball. A, it's a tough call. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you can clearly see it, but you take can. your storm caps off, lads. You can. So, do you know? You know the the rule of when it's awarded a try or not. You know, there's a pretty firm rule. So, the ball it needs to be downward pressure. So, yeah, yeah. it needs to be some downward pressure, and the ball can't lose any contact with the hand. I actually think there was downward pressure. I, I think that Casey, I think it was Casey Badger um, was the fourth official yesterday. And I actually think it was a try. I think Tui got downward pressure on it before it bobbled. But it bobbled. So, it's, it's a tough call. got downward pressure well, though, but it bobbled. It didn't look sure. like that to me, but I'm just surprised that the Sharks didn't protest it. Like, how are they not getting a message down to the bench to protest that? They can't. I don't think you can challenge a try, can you? It's only a penalty you can challenge, I think. I thought you could Is challenge. that right? Yeah, if, you've, actually not yeah sure. if you've not grounded it, you can challenge it. I don't know if they can challenge a non-call. I think they can only challenge a call. It so was, if Yeah, but they, he called it. Ref gave it. But as in, like, so let's say Badger gave it a penalty to Storm. Yeah. Then I think they can challenge it, but because it was ruled a try, it's actually not a decision. Like it's not a, a penalty; it's just a, a decision. I don't know if they can challenge a try being awarded or not. Actually, that might be a good. Someone can get that for us because I don't know how that works. If you can challenge a try, because I would have hundred percent. Yeah, I think you can. Um, we'll but look into that. they would have just gone to the same official that already awarded it a try, so it would have been a waste anyway. Because she would have had it, or whoever it was would have reviewed it again. The same yeah. person that reviewed it. And confirm the try would have reviewed it again. So probably a bit of a waste, I think. I don't know. Mm. But all that dominance by the storm, eh? Hundred percent was great. Can we just um, give a round of applause to the storm as well for scoring fifty-four points and outscoring Carlton on the weekend with fifty-two? Yeah. Let's just just leave that for Josh to uh, soak in. Can um... you change? Can you change that (laughs) to Stephen Dank? (laughs) <laughs> Bloody... we'll do that next year mate <laughs> no, no, no incident they've probably gone and used peptides again this week that's why they've beaten us peptides. let's not worry about the past mate let's worry about the future and the future isn't Carlton alright let's roll on alright Chris on. do you want to uh, start us off on the Formula 1 mate yep yep let's go on to another another win for Max 
uh, 40th career victory, extend championship lead over his teammate Sergio Perez to 53. Um, but what I really want to talk about is Mercedes upgrades. So initially brought in at Monaco, but due to tight track conditions, we didn't really get to see the benefits of the upgrades. So the upgrades are revised side pods, front suspension, and a new floor, which we all seen at Monaco. But for George Russell to come from 12th to 3rd is remarkable, I think. That was a and great that, drive from George. That, yeah, in Barcelona, I, that's hands down down to the upgrades they've made. So the car was clear second quickest in the race behind Red Bull. Hamilton was just eight tenths seconds behind Carlos Sainz in the fight for the front yeah. row start, despite having crashed in uh, with Russell in Q2. Um but he was clear 21 seconds ahead of the Spaniard at the end of the race. Yeah. So I think more interesting comparison with, with Sergio Perez, really. Uh, the Mexican started ahead of Russell on the grid, but finished three seconds behind him. Yeah. I think going back to Hamilton, say finished second, he started fourth. That collision with Lando Norris at, mm. uh, at turn two, I'll, I'll touch on Lando Norris in a bit. Um, the, no the collision obviously him, didn't crap. affect Hamilton. <laughs> Oh, you got to feel sorry for him, though. You have to feel sorry for him. Yeah. What, but what, he, he, just, qua- he qualified third. Mate, he qualified third with a one minute 12. His race management, which, though, is atrocious. Yeah. I don't know. Where, where would he have finished if it wasn't for that crash? Mate, he would have been fifth or sixth. Well, just because of where he, where he qualified, I don't think he would have got into podium. No chance. I think... Not with the new upgrades from Mercedes. I think McLaren looked looked like they had a little bit more pace this weekend. Like I say, he qualified with a one twelve uh, seven nine two. Mm. That's five tenths off of Verstappen. That's not that's not that far behind, and six one hundredths off of Science. Yeah, but it's not a it, yeah. It's you quick. can have a fast car, but if you're just a awful driver, <laughs> he's not all right. He's not race awful, management. right? He's not awful, but his race management is. Rubbish, and I think McLaren's race yeah. management's not that good at all. So, no, I mean Oscar Piastri, Josh. I know you're a, you're a Piastri fan. He had an okay race. All I know, he, he started ninth, but he finished thirteenth. Thirteenth. Yeah. Um, he lost out to Russell off the line, but that's to be expected. You know, Mercedes is a lot quicker than McLaren. Um, yeah. Early on for Piastri, he looked like he um, he would have got into the points, but it just he just went backwards. Yeah, but that being said, the McLaren is the seventh fastest car on the grid. I don't think you're is... allowed to drive backwards in Formula One. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's that's my input for Formula One right now. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Great yeah. help, mate. Well, Mercedes was um, second quickest this race, right? Yeah. So that well, second that, and third, yeah. So well, that also that says a lot for the for like for the upgrades for the new race pace. Even, well, Still got no chance of keeping up with that Red Bull, though. No, no chance. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But given that W14 is so fresh, you could fairly argue that there'll be more pace to come purely just through developing a deeper sort of understanding of the new parts for the guys. Yeah, I think so. I think Mercedes will get faster. Yeah. You are in the development points. cycle of, a, of an upgrade, right? So, yeah, yeah. I reckon the more they... The more they race now, the better they'll get, the closer they'll get to Red Bull. But the question is, does does this mean Mercedes is now Red Bull's closest challenger or could it potentially win races on merit by the end of the year? 
I think it's still too early to say. I think Monaco, yeah. you, Monaco's a tight track, yeah? Like, in my opinion, it's not really racing. Monaco, um, man. Not really. Um, they, like they say, if you're quick in Barcelona, then your car should be generally good everywhere. Hamilton said, I think we'll be strong in the next races. So he believes that... I think these, so. Yeah, he believes these upgrades are what they've been waiting for. It'll be, yeah, it'll be, like you said, it'll be interesting to see going into the next race. Canada's the next race. That track has a viciously long straight. Yeah, yeah. we all know that the Red Bull is just going to steam ahead. They're probably going to get one, two, finish there. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, but, but I think with, Mercedes will step up. But yeah, exactly. With a long straight, you get the DRS zone, which means hopefully if Hamilton and George actually stay within that DRS zone, they might be able to catch him up and make it a more interesting race. Because I cannot yeah. stand watching Red Bull just run away with it, especially Verstappen. I reckon if it was Checo running away with it, I'd be like, yeah, all right, I like Checo. But Max, uh, I cannot, I think he's a flog. Well, that big, <laughs> arrogant head of his, that little, shouldn't say big, that little pinhead. Yeah. And that, arrogant, that arrogant smirk that he's got, him and his car that anyone would win in. Oh, I can't stand the bloke. I mean... Credit to him, he is a good driver. Like him or not, he is a good driver. Like you said at the start, Chris, 40th career win. Puts him one behind Ayrton Senna for fifth in the all-time list. So he's he's a good driver. Yes, he's in the fastest car by a long shot, but you can't... Yeah, he's a good driver at the end of the day. So here's my question for Ferrari. Leclerc obviously went out in Q1. Um that was his first Q1 exit since Monaco 2019. Obviously, he had a few car troubles, yeah. So they replaced the back end of the car. Mm. Um, I don't understand why they would do that. Um, so he had a pit lane start. Yeah. But Leclerc, I mean, he did finish 11th from starting from the pit lane. So, yeah. Let's say his race was terrible. But again, poor tactics from Ferrari. Started on the hards, obviously, to. Um, to try and make him stay out for longer. Well, didn't but he, then he pitted early on lap on lap sixteen. Why? No, but I said didn't Leclerc start from the pit lane because of they made changes to the cars. Yeah, I just said yeah they changed the back yeah. end. Why? Why? Like obviously the, well, the cars having do it just trouble. Race, so but... changing the back end is going to do nothing. Like the car's clearly not great. So why change it for the same or the equivalent? thing you know it's the same part essentially yeah um but, i mean look this is but like this is say, a typical ferrari decision to be honest like you can you but can this look is at why bonotto teams, got like, sacked well this is why bonotto got sacked but this is why teams like red bull christian horner this is why he's still in his job because he makes calculated logistical decisions and they pay off same as toto wolf back in the past he's made i don't think that not making the upgrades was Toto Wolf's decision, but he makes good decisions in the long term. Um, Bono's, Bono's decision-making was rubbish. Um, McLaren, who's the head of McLaren? Um, Zach Brown is the CEO. And Can't, who's he's the, their race director? Anyway, they're Josh, the same. Google that for us, bro. My mind's gone blank. They're the same. So, yeah, I think with Ferrari, um, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah, they're just, dis, they're just, 
underachieving as usual. And I don't think Leclerc's going to get anywhere up to the, the podiums anytime soon. Not with now Mercedes. Andre, Andre, I think that's it. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in Canada. I, I'm hopeful Ferrari in this next race. Um, hey, Dan, I've got a question for you. Yep. Um, what's the name of the team principal for Aston Martin? Someone was talking about him the other day. Mike, Mike Crack. Mate, we're not swearing on this podcast. <laughs> I, know, well, I, I think that's the I most exciting thing about F1 at the minute. The what team, his name? The team principal's name of Aston Martin, Mike Crack. What, yeah. a, what an absolute <laughs> cracker. And you I mean, can't tell me that the F1 commentators don't try and get his name out as often as they can. Of course. Um, <laughs> her name's not Hunt, though, hey? No. I mean, going back to, to Aston Martin, uh, Chris said earlier about our Mercedes now the main competition rivals for Red Bull. I think Aston Martin's race, if you're basing it on one race alone, yes. Aston Martin had the weakest race of the year so far, but it's still not a terrible performance. Yeah, sixth and seventh, they left with 14 points. Yeah, I expect them maybe, to be a maybe bit high in the next race. 100%. Stroll, it's his home race. I think he'll do well. Yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't rate him. Like I said the other week, yeah. I think if you get Ocon in that Aston Martin, that'd be a much more effective team. Yeah, oh, 100%. Ocon anywhere will just impact whatever team he goes to. Uh, well, just to just to finish this, this, go on, Chris. I think you're right. They will. They're still going to be a close competitor for Red Bull and Mercedes. But now, look with the, with the um, upgrades. I think Mercedes have just pit Aston Martin. So, yeah, I see what see what yeah. goes on in Canada. It's a long straight, like we said. So, um, pacey cars are just going to dominate. Obviously, Red Bull's going to dominate. We'll see what happens yeah. with Mercedes and Aston Martin in this race. I'm interested to see what um, Ferrari do, to be honest, because, I mean, Leclerc can't handle corners or signs because they always spin out. So maybe this will be a bit of a good race. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully it will be like this one. But I say Barcelona had no requirements, no yellow flags, no red flags, no safety cars. So hopefully it'll be another fast race. But we'll um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, on, we'll uh, we'll review the next one. It'll be a good race. Yeah, that's it. Um, Josh, do you just want to quickly touch on on the tennis? Um, I'll have a quick quick bit of a rundown. I don't know how many of us are all over the French Open, or if we're interested in it at well, all. But... I did. Uh, I did watch the uh, the men's final. I didn't. I've been a bit slack this year. I haven't watched as much tennis as I hoped. But was it Novak Djokovic won three nil against Casper Ruud? Yeah, he's twenty third so, Grand Slam. Is he the greatest tennis player we have ever seen? Easily, we'll see. Easily, Has he. To be. Federer's yeah. the most loved. Nadal's mm. the most skillful. Djokovic is the most well rounded tennis player. I, as I said, I, I can't say ever because we didn't see the likes of Rod Laver play. Um, I think Serena Williams would make a really big case there in terms of greatest tennis players of all time. She was so good. In the time that I've watched, Djokovic is the greatest. Why? Because he can play hard court, so he can play your um, Australian Open surface, so your plush surface, but he can also play off the clay. And the reason why I have him as the greatest is 
the French Open's known as dirt ball. So basically, the the tennis balls slow down. So yeah, when you win the French Open, it's not about power; it's about accuracy and it's about consistency. So to win the French Open, you have to engage in a lot of long rallies. You have to be extremely fit because rallies go for a whole lot longer on on the clay surface, um, and that's why you see a lot of Americans. Not many Americans win the French Open. So Sampras, Venus Williams, and um, John McEnroe never won the French Open purely mm. because they were based off power, Andy Roddick. But Novak can ta- tailor his game to any surface, any conditions, any um, any weather. So, Where do uh, you think he's strongest, Josh? Everywhere. Pro- probably on the hard court, probably on yeah. your... Your, your plush surface at the Oz Open, but I mean, because he's won what I think thirteen Australian Opens or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's high. Um, I think I, Djokovic's I, tournament is definitely the Australian Open. Like Nadal's is the French. Shame about Nadal. Well, if you compare um, him to yeah. Nadal and Federer, he's won more head to heads. He's won ten Grand yeah, Slam titles since turning thirty. He's thirty six. Like that's nuts, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> he still has more years to come as well. That's it. There's hope for us all, He's boys. Not There's down. hope for us all. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why he's so under, so um, I guess you could say not spoken about as much as the other two is because he's not as likable. So yeah. he um he doesn't do what the public want him to do. He like for example his vaccination stance. He's um he's fighting of the the Australian government to get granted a visa. The the other players just went with what they were told. I don't agree with what he did, but I also respect him for the fact that he stands up for what he believes in. And I think hundred percent. Yeah. I think the population don't like him because of that reason. He doesn't really care what people think. I think I think he'll be a player that gets more, you know, popular over time once he retires. Everyone will start to respect what we had, not what we have in front of us. Yeah. That's yes. when he'll get the most Respect. Well, he's the last one of the big three, isn't he? Really? So, yeah, essentially, yeah. I mean, Nadal's got. Hopefully, we yeah. see a bit more Nadal. Injuries scare me a bit because he's my favourite of the three. Andy Murray's Nadal. still, still yeah, about, I do. Boys, I love everything about him. Andy, Andy Murray's Murray. still about. He's still not in the comparison, mate. He's not in the comparison. <laughs> Come on, the scouts. <laughs> and Andy Murray wins the best bloke award. I love Andy Murray. I think he's he's one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. Two FI. Yeah, he's... nice blokes don't win yeah. titles, man. That's contrary, to belief, contrary to belief, nice he's a bit... well, he's he's won a few titles. He's, he's yeah, been a, a great. He's probably been one of England's greatest tennis players. So, I'm um, sorry, well, one of England, well, one not, of the UK's he's Scottish. Who does he represent? He support. He, well, GB. He represents GB, but he, if yeah, you ask him, Britain. he is Scottish. Like he does not associate himself with Britain. So. So, yeah. Apologies to all our Scottish listeners out there. I, I would be ashamed if if I got compared to being English. So, sorry, yeah. Andy. You're definitely not, yeah. a, mate. You're Scottish. Much better. <laughs> I've been improving. Like my brother-in-law Ian. Anyway. <laughs> like my brother-in-law Ian. He listens to our show. Um, yeah. You're basically English, mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, mate. That's the uh, that's the French Open wrap, wrap up. So, it's um, all right. Yep. All right. Let's um let's move on to the Europa Conference final. Who watched that game? Up the Irons. I, that, I sure what a did. game. It was a, it was a good game. Yeah, but I will start by saying Fiorentina did not deserve to lose that game. They were the better They team, played yeah. better in all areas of that of that game. 
Yeah. But credit to West Ham. They just played effective counter-attacking football. Yeah, they might have got lucky with the with the penalty. It was a handball, was it, Chris? He's, yeah, well, it was, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it was a handball, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so call it lucky with the VAR intervening, whatever, whatnot. Um, Possession-wise... Well, was it the right... Was it the yeah, right hole, yeah, mate? Yeah, it was, a, it was definitely yeah, the right Yeah, it was ball. a handball, mate. 100% it was a handball. Deliberate yeah. handball. Yeah. But you, you break down the stats. Ball possession, 68% Fiorentina. The 32% mm. West Ham. Total shots, Fiorentina had 17. West Ham had eight. What yeah. about on target, though? On target, uh, four oh, apiece. Yeah. yeah. Four so, apiece. yeah. I think that down to an argument in every sport like we as sport fans i say it with carlton all the time oh we we had the stats we should have done this at the end of the day that end score at full time is all that matters west ham just more efficient with their with their shots you know they went at 50 percent. so four shots on target for two goals like i know one was a penalty but 50 percent of their shots went in where you know fiorento what did they have 17 shots on on goal so, yeah. you know, West Ham's gone at 25% total shots. Fiorente's gone at under 10%. So there's well, your end. Harry McGuire playing for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you look at blocked shots, though. Fiorentina blocked five. West Ham blocked two. Okay. Uh, Fiorentina hit the woodwork once. That technically counts as an, as an off-target shot. I've always said that's on target. Well, that's got to be on target, really. So, well, I know it sort of is and it isn't, but... Because the ball's yeah. not going to go in, but you are hitting yeah. the goal. That's for me. It that's almost a gray needs area, to be but... a separate stat, doesn't it? So you yeah. like the yeah. near miss. You know how they got the big miss, big opportunities missed. Yeah, yeah. They need to have that there too, because that would be important to see. Just a stat saying hit the bar, hit the post. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is what we like about about football, right? It's it, it, stats essentially mean nothing in a game of football. You look back to when Celtic beat Barcelona in the Champions League. Like they had like something stupid like five percent possession or whatever it was for the game. Barcelona just dominated yeah. them. S- similar thing for this. Fiorentina had four hundred and sixty-six passes. West Ham had two hundred and eighteen percentage-wise, eighty-one percent Fiorentina accurate passes. Yeah. West Ham sixty-seven. So they, they they move the ball better, but all it takes is that one counter attack. Jared Bowen at the end. Bowen's on that fire. That was a great goal, and he's banging Danny yeah. Dyer. Mate, he <laughs> honestly to score in the ninety fifth minute, unreal. Like, and for him as yeah. well, I think he's been one of West Ham's best players this year and last year. Like, I'll be surprised if he stays at West Ham, um, just because I think Huge, that yeah. he could definitely play for a better team. But all just where do you aside, reckon he will he, go, Chris? Well, there's no rumours for Jared Bowen, so I don't know. But I would take him at Arsenal all day on the right. In in like if I'd take him hundred percent. You said yeah, I'll take him as a well. better club. Well, yeah. You said better club. Better club than West Ham, yeah. Because like West Ham I mean, are so underachievers. Chris, so. but, West, but West Ham have had a more successful season than Arsenal. something. I, I love West Ham. My dad's a West Ham fan. A lot of my mates are West Ham fans. I love West Ham. But Shout out to Chris's dad. Yeah, go on. Go on, dad. Um, Hello, dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're a good team. They're a good team, but... You know, oh, I don't know. They they just make some silly um, transfers. So, but like we mm. all do, look at the, and, some of the transfers. Uh, we we saw Shamak, you know, Nicholas <laughs> Bentner, and 
God knows who else. Lord Bentner. Lord Bentner, William Gallas and Sylvester, we've got some crap players. Like everyone does it, but I don't know. They'll come good. Yeah. Like Declan Rice, I hope. Like as an Arsenal fan, I'll go to Arsenal, to Arsenal. As a as yeah. a West Ham, I, f- I follow West Ham. I hope he stays at West Ham. I'm happy with both. Um, but all credit to West Ham. They've gone through. They've won more European titles than Arsenal now and Spurs. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. The Spurs yeah. are terrible, mate. So. Well, yeah. I, I reckon yeah. we need a whole episode to go for our crap Spurs are. But anyway. Yeah, that's why I'm wearing my Birmingham. That's it. That's why I'm wearing my Birmingham top today. <laughs> yeah, that crap, he's wearing a different top. <laughs> up, up the blues. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Like you support Birmingham um, because your dad supports Birmingham, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, you follow them. Yeah, your your main yeah, team Spurs. Them. Or wait, yeah, just it. Jude Birmingham came from Birmingham. That's it. He's on Real Madrid now. And his brother. And his brother, Joe Bellingham, who's just been called up for England under-18s. Yeah. Imagine playing for Real Madrid at 19. Amazing. So yeah, good, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, can I just say, though, going back to West Ham, that was probably the worst football kit I've ever seen. That was oh, horrendous. There. Yeah. Looks like what Adam's yeah. wearing now. Awful. Which is a crap top. <laughs> Look like he just rubbed a load of peaches into it. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. You spilt your peach. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit um, of a just a plain yeah, white t-shirt for there. anyone that's listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the he's got the pecs out though. He's got the nipples through the shirt. You can see it. He's got his pecs it's the dad out. Bod. Oh, stop it! There's any, la- there any lady viewers out there? We might even put it on the was that that want to see look a man? Is a Jason Jason Momoa look alike? So we'll, uh, stop it! I'm blushing. I think he looks like. Do you want his number, Josh? Yeah. I think you look like Zook Factor a bit. All right, we're getting off topic. Uh, right. Keep it's, moving it's, it's, it's on. Mr. Keep January, moving on. February, Mr. December. Okay. Mum, there you go. That's how we can make some money for our podcast, boys. See if we make a calendar yeah. of ads. We'll sell Adam. Yeah. <laughs> goes right. at an hour. I'll tell you what Keeping we won't on be the getting. Final chat, boys. We won't be getting a, a sponsor from anything to do with uh, facial hair because his tash is crap. <laughs> oh, it's a shepherd, <laughs> Like he, it looks like he's cut off a bit of his uh, man bun and just glued it on. <laughs> All right, it's time boys. for me to go, guys. We'll see you later. <laughs> Keeping on the final chat, boys. All right, Champions Daniel. League final. Yeah, I've got Champions a lot to say League. about this, right? So hear me out. So do I. What a game. What a game, yeah. But... I mean, ultimately, Rodri ended up on the end of a Bernardo Silva cutback. Yeah, it's a one-nil win. It was a yeah. pretty scrappy game. Inter Milan were at the heels of West, uh, the the City players all game, and it nearly paid off a few times. But if it wasn't for how greedy Lita, uh, Martinez was, instead of cutting it back for uh, Lukaku yeah. for an easy tap, and he went for it himself. I mean, yeah. I I'm obviously didn't want Man City to win it, right? About a few reasons. Obviously, congratulations to the players, yeah? But I just want to touch base on the fact that Manchester City have been charged with breaking financial fair play rules around 100 times in nine-year period, right? Which starts in 2009 and goes to 2018. So before we move on, hats off to the players for winning it because the club are going to bring in the players, the players are going to do the job. But... More than 100 breaches in financial fair play rules across the the nine season, failing to assist with investigations from 2018 to 2023, 
overstating sponsorship income, hiding um, true true source of revenue, uh, paying ex-manager Mancini extra millions with secret contract, not giving full details of player wages, uh, breaking PL profit and sustainability rules, not complying with the UEFA financial fair play regulations, and spending two billion on transfers alone. The occasion, like, are they the best team ever, or are they the biggest crooks? Chris, I'm glad you mentioned this because I had that written down. I, yeah. I hate, hate Manchester City. I hate what they're about. I hate the fact that because they bring in so much money to the game, FFA is going to do, sorry, um, the Football Federation is going to do nothing. The Premier yeah. League's not going to do anything. They're not right. going to strip titles because then the, then the owners will strip funding and the Premier League's gone. If that was Brighton, Fulham, Brentford, um, West Ham, if that was any of those clubs, I can tell you now they would have made this huge statement. You're out of the competition. You're not playing for points next year. You're automatically relegated. But because it's Man City and those flogs basically do what they want when they want because of the money, there's going to be, I reckon there'll be next to no consequences. I'll give them a, a petty little fine that will mean nothing to them because they've got that much money anyway. It's just, I, I don't watch them. I don't take my hats off to them because they, they cheat. They've cheated. That's what they've done. I take my hat off to Inter Milan, who... Um, they gave gener- it to them, didn't they? Generated they more did. shots on goal and on target. And if it wasn't for Edison's brilliant save, would have drawn at mm. least. So yeah. I actually, I crown Inter Milan as their Champion League finalist, not Man City. They're, I just can't stand them. It's It's hard for us to see past the allegations, isn't it? Because they, we all know that they've been cheating. Like everyone knows, they didn't um, comply with the UEFA investigations years ago. They had a, they did actually get a fine for that. So we all know they've been cheating for years. But there's no consequences because of the revenue they're bringing into the Premier League. So because of I don't who know. they are, huh? Because of who they are. That's that's the only reason. If, yeah, it's it's because just because of who they are as a I can't, I can't see past all the allegations. I, like I said, hats off to the players because the players, are, it's like you're only going to play the team in front of you, right? And the players that have been bought for the, for the job did the job. So, and they are some quality players. So, Erlen Halland. It's mate, not the players' fault. It's not the players' fault. They got bought in to do a job. They did the job, right? It's the club that have been cheating. So, and I'm yeah, happy so for the, the players. The club's to one have, thing. Yeah, I'm happy for the players that have won the, the title, that won the title. Jack Grealish, Erling Haaland, De Bruyne deserves it to be, in, in my eyes, De Bruyne does deserve it. Um, Gundogan. I felt sorry um, for him. Going off, yeah. That's the second final he's gone yeah. off injured. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel sorry for him. But let's let's break down that game a little bit more. The financial situation for Man City aside... Well, yeah, we'll put that to one side a minute. Maybe we can discuss that further in another episode. Mm-hmm. But the Champions League final, I just want to reiterate, Chris, and I know you've said it before and you stand by this, that football is the best sport in the world. 150 yeah. million people watched that final. Was that it? I thought it would have been more than that. That's it's a lot of people, mate. That is a lot, but I thought it would have been more, but that's what I mean. That right. is a lot of people. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed straight away, as soon as the whistle went off for the start of the first half is how small that pitch was. Mm. And I think 
that was the only reason why it was 1-0. Because City like a wide pitch, right? They like it yeah. wide and long. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, grow up. How do they, they like it again? <laughs> Dan, we're not asking for your preferences here, mate. We're talking about... <laughs> like, oh. they, well, they play the wide game, right? They just go to their wingers. So you've got Grealish and, and Foden and Mares. They've always got the ball. It goes to De Bruyne and it goes out wide to them and then it comes into the box. And I just think I didn't really see that the whole of this game. The pitch was just tiny. Everyone was standing on top of each other. So there was no through balls. All the crosses were overshot. To be honest, I thought it was quite... It, although it was end-to-end, it was... I don't know. I don't know whether to call the final entertaining or boring, to be honest. But that's what I love about the Champions League because it's a, it's a pre selected venue and I love I love that there's different dimensions for different grounds I I wish it was more common in all sports where grounds were different sizes different lengths different widths because then it, mm. it comes down to skill and not well, we touched know, on ability it to adapt we yeah. said it earlier with the MCG like Brisbane struggle at the MCG because it's so big and the gab is smaller like it does happen it does mm-hmm. happen the size of the pitch clearly affects the play style of some teams and I just yeah. don't think it went in Man City's favour during that final. Inter Milan were extremely unlucky. Well, Inter teams Milan... get used to playing on. Sorry, teams get used to playing on their own grounds and the sizes and the conditions in general. So going That's to why it's called ground. A... That's why it's yeah. called a home advantage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at those Inter Milan, really um, Inter Milan supporters are like something you've never seen before. They're so. Pay passionate about the game and about their team oh that yeah i think if they played anywhere it's a bit of a upper hand for that for inter milan because they do not stop singing the whole game as opposed to the empty ad fans these plastic yeah, fans yeah, that yeah. yeah not holding anything back like, mate but your yeah. your your club has cheated its way to five titles in the champions league plastic so. fans <laughs> plastic stadium <laughs> plastic players Hats off to the great players, but um, yeah, the cheating club. As I said, congratulations to Inter Milan for winning the Champions League final. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, Man, Man I, I City agree. lost by deep. You do know the Champions League. I can't League. talk about them anymore. I can't, I can't talk about this club. So I'll let you two finish it off because I hate them with a passion. Yeah, I agree. I don't. It's not because they won the Champions League and it's an English team and it's not Arsenal. Like you've got there's a. To win the treble is like something not many teams do. Only one other team's doing that was Manchester United with Sir Alex Ferguson's squad. I think it was 1999. But they did it in times where there was no money. It was hard work. And now we're like, basically, congratulations. You are, you've won. To buy in it. To buy in it, basically. Yeah. You are Congratu- the world's Congratulations. You've, well you've, just, you've just bought the titles. Because back in the day, you had to work for it. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't want to give too much praise to the club, but yeah, you do. But before we go, you do know the Champions League structure is changing next year, don't you? No, completely changing, right? So thirty six ta- teams up from thirty two. Group yep. stages are replaced by a league table. Each team plays eight games in the league phase: four at home, four away. Top eight teams yep. go straight to knockout stage. And then teams yep. finishing between ninth and twenty fourth will compete in a two legged playoff to secure last sixteen spot. 
Oh, so they're all going to be in one league, not separate one league. Route. So this is, and this goes on to the European Super League that they tried to create last year. This is what this is. I think this is why they've done it. I know it's been talked about for so long, but now they've done. This is basically a league that's rivaling all the other leagues: Premier League, Bundesliga, so, La Liga. I reckon if this that. is the most watched league in the world, you could easily see this being the league. I was like going to say, question, question to that, is that um, is that a decision to basically say, fine, we won't take your clubs out, but this this competition that we're creating is going to be the biggest competition soon and, and yeah. your Premier League competition is going to be second string to our big comp. Is that is that effectively what we're looking at? Well, well, I think they're more throwing shade at the European Super League. Um, but yeah, I think this is... Um, I don't know, competitive for the Premier League because it's getting longer. The t- the, the the structure of the, the table, the yep. league is obviously going to make the competition longer, which means teams are going to be playing more games and, you know, it's going to cause conflict between, you know, playing in the Premier League, then playing in Champions League, then travelling all over Europe. Um, so, yeah, could, it could go Incredible. either way. I, I, I like it, but then I could see it going to a point where you could just see that league prosper yep 100 I, I like it i think it will work mm. spot on yeah yeah um josh i know you're a big pasta coglu fan so do you want to start this i do i do so um biggest biggest moment in australian football soccer history by far i think even ahead of our 06 world cup performance and even this recent one so first manager to come from Australia, who will be managing a fairly decent-sized Premier League club too. Um, a manager that's had nothing but but um, rubbish thrown at him. So six, seven years ago, he was not even – he was sacked from an A-League position and he ended up coaching a, a, a state league team in Queensland uh, – in Melbourne, sorry, Victoria. So he um, he was as, at the lowest competition you could get 10 years ago. He's now got to a point where he's – managing one of the biggest competitions in the world um, or a team in the biggest competition. So what annoys me is a lot of people um, say with his job at Celtic, yeah, but Celtic are are Celtic, right? They're a great club. Anyone could manage them. So I just want to talk about how great he did there. So when he took over Celtic, they finished 25 points behind Rangers. um, And Chris Sutton basically through shade over over Postacoglu when he was appointed. Since then, so the 2021 season, before Postacoglu arrived, Celtic had 22 wins with a goal differential of uh, 49. Postacoglu's first season, Celtic won 29 games with a goal difference of 70. His 22-23 season, Celtic notched up 32 wins with a goal difference of 80. So since he's taken over, they're scoring more, conceding less, and basically, according to a lot of our Scottish Premier League commentators, they believe Postacoglu's changed the way the league plays. It was a very, very defensive league. Since he's taken over, the league's become a lot more attacking. There's a lot more scoring. Um, and play teams like Hearts and Hibs, who are usually a really defensive structured team, of actually playing a more a wider, more attacking game. So if you're changing the the layout of a season and a, and a structure of a competition, I think you've done pretty well. So I think that he's going to do a stellar job at, at Tottenham. And I think that was echoed by 
um, Guardiola's um, plaudits to, to Postacoglu during the week. So huge for the country, really pumped, and, and I hope he does well. I think he'll do well. As a Spurs fan, I think it's exciting. I, I really do hope he does well. I think Spurs have been lacking a decent manager now for a very, very long time. So he's, yeah, he's clearly Mourinho. got the skill set. So Antonio Conte. Yeah, I've, al- I've always said with Jose Mourinho, is he as good as people say he is? He's managed massive yeah. clubs. That's it. That's it. You come to Tottenham, sacked. He's won a title so, at every club he's been at. He's won every European title. He's won the Champions so League, then he Europa comes, League, Conference League. So he, won, he comes to an extremely average club, yeah, Tottenham, and yeah. he didn't do very well. He went to, he went he, to Roma and good? won. He went to Roma and won the title. Roma are good, mate. Well, they're good, but they're not. They're, they're like a Spurs, aren't they? They haven't won the league in so many years, and but obviously the Europa yeah. Super League threw a spanner in the works for you lot because for some reason he just left. Yeah, I reckon he just went. Um, nah, yeah. this is a sinking ship. I'm off. This is the reason. So, so last question to to Chris and to you, Josh. Um, with Postecoglou gone from Celtic, will Rangers now take that place? Will Will they win the league next year? Um, well, club great Chris Sutton quote saying, "I don't think any manager, no matter who they are, especially from down south in the Premier League, could have come in and turned the club and the competition around like Ange Postecoglou. There is no doubt that our club will go backwards a little bit." based off losing one of, if not the greatest managers the club's ever had. So when you've got a club great say, making that quote, the players apparently were reportedly devastated when when they found out he wasn't hanging around. Happy for him, but devastated. So I think whether they dominate as much, I don't think so. I think they'll come back to the pack a little bit and Rangers will definitely compete a bit more. Yeah, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think the Scots the Scots Prem now will be uh, a little bit more interesting yeah. to watch. Um, and my, my brother-in-law, Ian, wanting to send a message out to all the listeners is up the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> so, go on the Rangers. Okay. Give um, a bit of competition. Go on. Yeah, that's it. Um, Ads, do you want to start us off with a cricket, mate? Yeah, I'll start you off. So, last night, Australia successfully won their first uh, test match champions. Yeah, we'll give them a round of applause. On your days. <laughs> yeah, the boys. Overall, overall, pretty pretty convincingly as well. Josh, do you have anything to um to add on that? I love I love head mate, Travis Head that is. Mate. Um abs- absolute stellar performance. Scotty Boland, the cult hero. Victorian boy, underrated, five wickets for the match. Um, economy rate, well and above everyone else. And he's going about 2.9 runs per over. Travis Head, amazing in the middle order, 163 first innings knock. Player um, of the match as well. Player of the match. And India lost the, the match at selection when they didn't choose the uh, number one rated spin bowler in the world. Yes. Quinn. I was, I was um, going to ask you about that if they made a mistake, but you pretty much... Why didn't they pick him? How how can they not pick him, Josh? How could they not pick their highest wicket taker, their player who's, you know, had the highest, sorry, the fastest to get to 400 wickets in test match? Like, how can they not pick him going into such such an important game for the last two years? How could they... 
for our listeners out there with, with cricket in particular, the home team, so that the country that owns the test, they basically can doctor the pitch any way they want. So they can curate the pitch any way they want. So in, in India, they'll usually have a very, not usually, they'll have a very dry pitch with a lot of cracks. So obviously when you're spinning the ball, if you get more revs on the ball and it hits one of those cracks, the ball turns a mile. So India is very much a continent that if you're a spin bowler, that's your ultimate location. When you get to England, England will have a lot of green tops, which is better for pace, or they'll have a very uh, flat track, which is better for, for batting. So I think India's thought process was the ovals usually a very good um green top or, or flat track for batting and for pace bowlers. So they've obviously added in an additional pace bowler. Um, but we have gone with our attack. We selected Nathan Lyon, who did a reasonably good job. And their bowlers, on day five. Honest, their bowlers are rubbish. I, I think India's bowling attack's no good. Um, and our bowling attack's amazing. So, um, yeah, come, really, come really and- proud of Coming off the IPL, obviously, you know, India hosts the IPL. Um, do you think that had a major effect on the result? Obviously, not a lot of test cricket being played for both sides. But Australia only had two out of the 11, which I believe was Warner and maybe Green playing in the IPL compared to Indian, like the India, sorry, who had all 11 playing in the IPL. Do you reckon that that made a difference at the end of the day? not being 100% focused, probably not focused isn't the right word, but 100% prepped on test cricket? Well, their strike rate, India's strike rate would lend itself very much to a team playing a short form format. So every player was averaging a strike rate of around about 50. Um, So I would suggest that the Indian batting lineup very much were underprepared and struggled to adapt to the long, long format. I think money talks. There's a huge amount of money in the IPL, um, talking millions and millions and millions. Um, so, yes, I do think it has had an impact, but I also think that just like the Brisbane Lions in the AFL, India are very good in their home deck, take them away, and they struggle a lot. So, um, Just just jumping onto your, um, your high strike rate, that's credit to Australia as well for not allowing them time in the game to go about things their own way. Australia Australia obviously started the game really well and had a dominant lead where India were in a position to you know, get the game moving for them to have a chance of winning. So that's a credit for Australia to obviously put the pressure on the Indians to have to score quickly yeah. in saying that. Spot on. So the reason why I was so impressed, mate, was I also couldn't be prouder of, of Pat Cummins' captaincy. So the way he structures and, and the decisions he makes, so putting Scotty Boland on at one end, who just basically ties the bats at batter down, um, makes him get impatient. Then he'll bring Mitchell Stark, who who we know can be loose at times, who promotes attack and generally will... will um, get wickets through top edges, right? So the fact that he had one bowler at one end attacking the batsman and then Boland at the other end just keeping them, keeping it at bay, making him really impatient. So I think we won the game based on structure and Scott Boland. So um, 
to Basball and, and the English at Barmy Army. I think the Ashes is going to be really competitive and Scott Boland will will be player of the series in an early prediction because he just plays those conditions really well. He has done in county cricket and, and he, he will has, do it in the Ashes. He has to be picked for the Ashes, surely. There was conversations of him. It's either him, Hazelwood or Stark, but surely you can't go past Boland. He, he was the one that changed the game in day five. You go Cummins, you go Stark or Hazelwood, but I'd go Cummins, I'd go Hazelwood, I'd go Lyon, Cam Green, and I'd go Scott Boland. There's your five attack. And I think I think um, Hazelwood or Stark, 12th man, miss out. Yeah, and that's a nice little headache to have. So if Hazelwood or Stark's your 12th man, your, your team's obviously is, doing pretty well. I just want to touch base on um, one player in particular. And I'm not talking about Travis Head or your Steve Smith or your Paddy Cummins or even your Scotty Bowens. I want to talk about Alex Carey and the way he, you know, played in his first innings and in his second innings. I want to talk about how um, how important he's 49, I believe, in the first innings. And then he's, to back it up with 66... How important do you reckon that was, Josh? So the the role of a of a wicketkeeper batsman is to come in and basically finish off the work, make quick runs. So what Alex Carey's done is and you've got to remember too, this bloke was on GWS's AFL list. So he he was an AFL player. He was on an AFL list. So this bloke is someone that, that's multi talented. So the first innings, he comes in and gets 48 off 69 balls, 69 strike rate, which is amazing for test match cricket. Second innings, he comes in 66 not out of 105 balls, 62 run strike rate. So what he's done is he provides an option for our top order to actually slow down the run rate, run rate and, and build up an innings. Because you know, just like Gilchrist, Carey will come in at the end and he will give you an extra 100, 150 run partnership. So for you, for me, I agree with you, Ads. He was my player of the series because he basically was the reason why we made the first innings total we did because he came in yeah. and and made a quick fire 49. So 100%, mate. Hard, hard to go past Travis Head, who was well-deserved. But yeah, Kerry, Kerry well and truly on the podium yeah. there for the, uh, for the um, player of the match. So uh, well yeah, done to Australia. Well done to Australia. And commiserations to um, Robert Sharma and his um, Indian side, who did have a solid two years and, yeah, unfortunately yeah. didn't get up. Commiserations that you couldn't win. <laughs> up the Aussies. I feel really <laughs> sorry for the cricket team, mate. I'm, my, heart, my heart is aching for them. I feel and really just, sorry for you don't just quickly before we wrap things up, um, Gil, that was, a, that was a catch by Green, mate, so stop. Stop um, having a whinge on Insta. That was a a clean catch. And at the end of the day, you probably could have had a little bit more of a say in your uh, batsman. Hold on. No, I I agree. And and to Indian fans, I really do feel for you. Like, for me, you do have a point when you talk about that. My only suggestion would be that um, moving forward, maybe you should try and make more than 269 runs in an innings. And then you might actually get a chance at winning. <laughs> Instead of worrying about one catch, maybe get Fair. your your cricket players to to actually make runs. And <laughs> instead of shoulder to arm, you got to bat, use it because you got. And for people, 
Oh. For people that are listening, Josh is only spooking up Aussies because Carlton, you know, we're pretty poo. So on Where's the Aussies. Yeah. <laughs> Carlton, 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 they're not in the league. What, what league are Charlton in? in the, are they in the first, <laughs> in the first are they in the championship, Charlton? He's abandoned Charlton. Them, no, Charlton are in, Charlton are in league one. Yeah, he said he said Charlton though. I've never heard Charlton. of Charlton. Charlton are in League One. Carlton should be in League One. Yeah. <laughs> Carlton shouldn't be in the league. <laughs> he's looking. He's fuming. Go back. I to just, I just, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop. I just cannot wait, Dan, for another Arsenal collapse. Because what I love about <laughs> Arsenal, right? They're like the East Westling Tunnel in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Builds a foundation. Everyone's like, "Sweet, the tunnel's almost finished." And then, guess what? Collapse. Season <laughs> <laughs> collapses. Savage. It is the greatest. Oh, I can't wait. Oh. Carlton might, but at least Carlton are consistent. We're consistently crap. Yeah. True. Really hope. True. Whereas that is same as Tottenham. You know we're crap. Whereas Arsenal mm. are kind of like Collingwood. You think they're going to deliver something, and then it gets to the pointy end, and you. <laughs> Love it, mate. Great. Three, three FA oh. Cups in twenty years. <laughs> a couple of community shields. I'll oh. take that for for, oh, for, boys. A, for a point of a, a low point in our history. Now, nah, good fun, good podcast, boys. Love right. it. Um, has anyone got any other uh, just general other sports news before we before we wrap this up? No, nah, pretty comprehensive uh, on my. I've I've got one. Lee, Liam Smith um, and. Chris Eubanks Jr. has been postponed again, so we'll uh, keep you posted yeah. on that because I think that'll be a good fight. Yeah, cheers, Chris. Um, I know we were going to touch on that more this episode, but obviously with it being postponed, we'll just have to we'll put that chat back. Um, Do they know when it's been postponed to or not? Not yet. Yeah, okay. No, nah, not yet. Um, not yet. In the, world, in the world of golf, the PGA Tour, DP World Tour and Live Golf are merging to form one collectively owned entity. Um, they're still waiting the waiting the name for that, but that's uh, that's massive news in the in the golfing world. Mm. So maybe we can touch a little bit more on that later on when a bit more news emerges. But yeah, um, if that's it, boys, um, I think we we wrap this up. But yeah. to all the listeners, if you did like the podcast, we are now on Instagram. So ads, do you want to give a shout out to our Insta? Yeah, go on, follow our Insta. It's the the Sports Society. And um, we'll just post about the games that we're going to review during the week. And um, yeah, go on and have a look and give us a follow and follow on. Yeah, yeah give yeah, us a right. follow. Um, if you've got any, uh, any topics or conversations you want us to discuss, then just send us a message and um, hopefully we can, we can get around to them for you guys. So. Sounds yep. good. And boys, before we go... Right, I just wanted to say, really fantastic show by me. I held, I held the crew up, so I'd like to give myself a round of applause. Yeah, well done, Josh. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe you Such can go play Scouten. <laughs> Might be able to give him a little They'd probably win every game if I was playing, mate. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. See you later. All right, cool. Cheers, right. boys. Have a good one. Cheers, guys. See ya.